Today's Bible passage comes to us from Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. I'll read it with you. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in safe land you are trusting, what will you do in the thicket of Jordan? Jeremiah 12, 5. This is the word of God. When God teaches his people, he often uses contrast to help his people understand his point. Here in Jeremiah 12.5, God contrasts men with horses, land of peace, with the swelling of Jordan. It was, a re- it was to rebuke an impatient Jeremiah, who was frustrated that the people of Israel were not listening to his warnings of God's consequences to Israel's sins, their unwillingness to turn from their sins and turn towards God and his laws. Their sins were idolatry by adopting the Canaanite gods and social injustice against their own people who were the most vulnerable in their community. The book of Jeremiah is words of warning but also words of hope that God does not leave his people in the consequences of their sin but offers them hope out of those consequences. This summer, we took a team of 36, 28 students and eight adults to Vancouver. Here we served the most dangerous street in Canada. And so you're gonna see a video, a street filled with tents, as Sophia mentioned, drugs and violence. Uh, Here, they saw in the past 12 months over 1,400 overdose deaths. Pastor Chesok asked me, so one of the other pastors who followed with me was Pastor Chesok. He's our uh, Korean ministry high school pastor. As we had time to talk when we're walking along the streets and guiding the children to our various ministry places, he asked me, why... Pastor Susan, what is your mission? What was your vision? What was the reason you decided to take the kids on mission uh, this year? What was your purpose? And I said, uh, our church has been frozen in time due to the pandemic, and I really wanted to show our church that it is now time to send. And so uh, in my thought, I had a lot of opposition because people were saying the pandemic's not over. Why are you taking the children to missions? Aren't you afraid of COVID? And I thought to myself, well, I've done like uh, VBS and summer camp with 200, 300 kids. I've done two retreats. We haven't had COVID. He's not gonna give us COVID. And And I took them to, and I said, missions is gonna be great. God's gonna protect us. We're doing God's work, his vision, his mission. And so he's not gonna give us COVID. I think that was my pride talking um, because um, our trip started well and we had completed, the children had completed the rose ministry. They were taking the roses and praying for the women on the streets. They served sandwiches, they made food, they served in worship. But on our fifth day of the trip, we had our first COVID case in our team. And that child, not wanting to be selfish, decided that he would spread his COVID to other members of the team by sharing drinks and food with them. 
The second person that actually got COVID after that was my own son, Jackson. And then the third person was me. By the sixth day, we had four people in the room because we then had to segregate our team into the COVID room. But by Sunday, which was the seventh day, uh, we had 13 people in the COVID room. I was devastated. After the first day, um, I gathered Pastor Chesok and our two Kwanzanims who had come with me to help serve, and I said to them, I'm going to send in my resignation letter after the end of this trip. And they're looking at me like, why? I said, because this doesn't happen to me. In all of 30 years of doing children's ministry, education ministry, I've taken kids and I've pushed the limits. We've done very big, challenging things. And who takes a bunch of children to the most dangerous street in all of Canada where there's drugs and alcohol and violence, and yet we got COVID? I was so devastated and I thought that I had done something wrong, but God, spoke to me through Pastor Jessica again, and he said, Pastor Susan, I think you have it the wrong way. I really believe that this was a good trip and that we are to show through the kids and through this trip that it is not a time to wait for the pandemic to be over, but now is the time to do missions with COVID. And here through our trip, we're going to show that we can still do ministry and God can still work even in the midst of COVID. And that was so true. After that conversation, um, we still were able to move even though the children had COVID and the team had COVID with the full mask, we were okay. A lot of times we were questioned whether those kids in the COVID room actually had COVID because they were louder and more rambunctious than the team outside of the COVID room. They were singing, they were praising, they were praying. The kids obviously when they entered into the room were really devastated, but then I spoke to them and I said, guys, I think this is God's way of telling us that we need rest. And so let's use this time to rest. And that was including me because I used to joke before I went to this mission trip that I, had, I was a functional burnout, that I was burning out. I was super tired and I mentioned it to several leaders. I was too tired. And going into this mission trip, I was really tired. And I believe God gave me this time to say, let's shut it down. You think this is all about you, but it's not. It's about me, God. It's about Christ. You keep thinking that you are the person at the center. You have it all wrong. And my pride was broken during this trip. All my thoughts of who I was was broken. And God recentered me and he said, it's not about you, Susan. It's about God. It's about me, it's about Christ. It's about taking the gospel message to those who need to hear it most. And it was incredible. But still, I needed more time to learn, I guess. Because during that, uh, that period, 
I was in the office speaking to the adults and we were just sharing some plans and things like that. And my daughter runs into the office saying, mom, mom, there's a lady who's banging on the door of Potter's Place. So what the way Potter's Place looks is that there is a bottom floor with doors that enter, exit out into the street. And so because it was so hot, Vancouver was having a heat wave, we had to keep the outer doors open, which are steel doors with holes in it so that the air can come in, uh, but people can't come in. And those doors are open, we can hear everything on the street, but there was a woman who was banging on our windows, and she was banging really loud. At first I thought it was the kids just playing around, and then Jaden comes in and she goes, Mom, there's a lady banging on the window, you should go out. And I said, no, we're just going to leave her because we're going to start worship anyway soon. She can just join us for worship. Just leave her alone. What I didn't know was that she was banging on the window, yelling at the children, saying, there is no God. Why do you waste your time? There is no God. And she was swearing at them. And in one hand, she had a knife. And in the other hand, she had a rock. I didn't know this, but the banging wouldn't stop, so finally I decided to go out. I went out and I saw that she was banging. But by the time I had gone out, her words had changed to, help me, help me, you've got to help me. Uh, and so, uh, thinking, okay, we need to help her, but knowing that she's probably not completely there, I directed a child, one of our students, to go grab me a bottle of water, and I was about to open the front door. I had directed the children and the staff, if anything happens, I need you to leave the door, lock the door behind you, and leave me with the lady. So I started to open the door. Um, but at that moment, one of the street people had thrown water at her and started yelling at her, why are you doing this to the children? Don't you know there's children in there? Why are you acting so crazy? You should calm down. And they threw water at her. And then within a matter of a few seconds, five police officers showed up at the door. So I quickly opened the door. I ran out and I said, please don't take her. It's our fault. We didn't bring her in. So don't take her. Don't take her. She doesn't need to be taken. She's fine. But it was too late. And she actually, if she hadn't been handcuffed, she would have lunged towards me. And, and then the police officer directed me back into the building, and I walked in, locked the door again, and wa we watched the whole scene of her being taken away. The police were great with her. They calmed her down, uh, but they directed her into the car and directed her out. Right at that moment, I was broken. And I brought all the kids back in, and I said, I have something to confess to you guys. One of the reasons I thought I needed to, we needed to go back to Vancouver was uh, in the, this was our fourth, my fourth trip with the kids there. In the first three trips, I had a friend who lived in Vancouver who was a good high school friend, but I knew she was lost, that she had fallen away, and she had given up God. 
And every trip, I always would message her, I'm in Vancouver, I'm with the kids, we're doing ministry, I'll come and see you. And she said, please come see me, I'll do your hair, because she was a salon owner. And I said, sure, I'll, do, I'll, I'll visit you, don't worry. But always I got busy in the ministry, busy with kids, or frankly speaking, I just couldn't be bothered. Well, during the pandemic, she passed away because of a sudden brain aneurysm. And I was broken because I kept saying in those three trips, I would go to her to tell her about God, that she would have the opportunity to receive Christ. And I always thought next year, there's always next year. And then the pandemic happened and she passed away. During the pandemic also, in our very first trip to Potter's Place, we had encountered a pastor who had succumbed to drug addiction. And on our very first trip, I remember him walking through the doors because he heard the kids praising. And he came in and he spoke to me and he said, I'm a pastor, but I struggle with homelessness and drug addiction. And he told us his story and we prayed for him and he came off the drugs and for three years he was clean. But unfortunately, because of the pandemic, he became lonely. He looked forward to us coming every year and he always made sure that he would come in and speak to me and tell me how great he was doing. In the second year of the pandemic, he had overdosed on drugs and he had passed away too. Two opportunities I personally felt that I had missed. And then this third one struck with this lady who was banging at our window. And I said to our kids, this is what laziness does to you. This is what pride does to you. And we can't afford to lose any more souls. So guys, we're gonna start praying. And we led them in an hour of intercessory praise and prayer. You should have seen, heard the kids pray. Pastor Jessica led them and he's told them how important it was to pray out loud and they started praying. The children were praying with all of their heart and you should have heard their prayers. The tears that flowed down their faces. And after that, it was incredible the way God moved through our worship and through the children on the streets and the ministry that they were, um, that they were doing. In one of the uh, places that we were sent to, we weren't told beforehand, uh, we were told after the fact, but one of the days that we were sent to, we were sent to Maine and Hastings Avenue. And if any of you who are watching the news, it was big news thing where on the Tuesday, the cops, the police had officers had gone in to take down the tents and there was a, lot, there was a big violent battle between the people who were homeless and, and the police officers. I think around 10 people were uh, arrested. We were there just minutes before that happened. So Maine and Hastings Avenue is actually the, the most dangerous corner of all of Hastings Avenue. There was a homicide August 7th, 
and then another homicide August 9th, and then our children went to perform on August 10th. A few weeks prior to our team coming into Hastings, the biggest church in Vancouver went to that exact same location, Maine and Hastings, and they went to uh, preach the gospel and do the exact same thing our kids were doing, yet they couldn't. As soon as they stepped in, they were chased out with knives and chased away from the alleyway, and they were told to leave, that they, are, they were not to be there. And the words that they heard were, what, why are you here? Are you just trying to feel better about yourself? Why are you here? What, you want, what are you bringing to us? There is no God. God doesn't exist. And they were chased out, and they couldn't complete their task. But our kids, when they went there, the people started praising. They started raising their hands. They asked for prayer. Our kids were amazing. One of our kwonsanims, Irang kwonsanim, she taught our kids the four spiritual laws. And they, so we needed them to have a base, to have a script. So we gave them the four spiritual laws to memorize and to take. And so they would go into the streets and they would ask the people, would you like to hear the four spiritual laws? And the students would be like, uh, the people would be like, okay, they would hear it and then have an opportunity to receive Christ. A lot of them sometimes would say, no, we don't want to hear it. So then the kids' next question would be, but at least can I pray for you? And no one refused the children when they prayed for them. And so then the people would say, okay, and the children would ask, what, is, what are your prayer requests? And these children, they're so smart. They would pray the four spiritual laws into the prayer. <laughs> So they would pray for the prayer request, and then they would go, and Lord, you know that this person is a sinner, and we pray that they, were, they will release their sins and ask for forgiveness, and that they will accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And these people unknowingly heard all four spiritual laws as they were being prayed for. We saw in our worship so many ways of how God would reach out to the people. In one of our worship, there was a man who was crying and he asked uh, my daughter, actually. My daughter was sick at the time and she was masked and she wasn't feeling that great. And he turns to her and he says, during praise, how do I learn more about God's word? And she looked at him and she went, I don't know. <laughs> and I went, Jaden. She goes, but mom, don't worry. It was okay because as soon as he asked me the question and I went, eh, he went to the front. And as you can see in the picture, he was kneeling in front of the praise team. And this is what he was doing the entire praise time. And there, once again, we had a native pastor who worked with us, Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike and Pastor Chesuk went to the front and they prayed beside him and he received Jesus Christ right at that moment. Our worship was incredible. Many people started to receive Christ. We gave them opportunity. We gave them altar call. We uh, asked them if they would want to rededicate their lives to Christ, if they already knew Christ, or if they hadn't known Christ, if they wanted to receive Jesus Christ. And many of the people stood up to receive Jesus. And it wasn't the pastors who were praying for them. It was our own children. 
Our children in teams of two and three would approach these people and they would pray for them. And you should see the tears streaming down the, these adult faces, these hardened faces. The children through this time learned the power of prayer. They all said that they needed to change. And the amazing thing about this was that even one of our students, or one of our EM students, Gwen, she's so amazing. She would walk down the streets, and the children would just walk down the streets, and you can see in the pictures as they walk down the streets. They would just walk, and there's all these tents, and we would encounter all these homeless people, all of our students without fail. God bless you. Jesus loves you. Did you know that Jesus loves you? Jesus loves you as they're walking. God bless you. And then people would be like, oh, thank you for coming. And they would turn around and go, no, no, no. Not thank you for coming. Thank you for having us. Thank you for blessing us with your presence. These were the words that constantly flowed out of our children's mouths to the people on the street. In our very last worship, as I was preaching, once again, the steel doors were closed. As I was preaching from the street, we had people call into the worship room, don't leave us. Vancouver needs you. Don't go back to Toronto. Because word had already spread on the street that there was a team from Toronto. And we made sure the children wore their yellow shirts. They looked like little minions walking the street. But we, they wore their yellow shirts, they wore their blue shirts, they wore their purple shirts. And so our team, because it's so massive, you can see them as they go everywhere. And people would point out to us. And they would say, thank you, thank you for coming. And we had a person call out into our room saying, don't leave us. Vancouver needs you. Hasting needs you. What did God teach us? What did he show us? That God is working through COVID. That we're not supposed to wait until COVID is over. In 1918, the Spanish flu shut down all the churches. But it was only the buildings that were shut down, not the churches itself. Christians went into the impoverished neighborhoods and clothed and fed the needy. They nursed the sick. They did not stay locked down in their homes. They were called as a church to move into their communities. We, as a church, are called to move into our communities. We are called not to be afraid any longer. The time is now to do missions. It is missions not after COVID, but missions with COVID. In 30 years or 40 years later, this period will be in our history books, just like the 1918 Spanish flu is in the history books. And what will our children say? I always ask our children, our students, what will you say to your children when they are learning it in their history books. Mom and dad, you lived through the pandemic? And you'll say, yes, I did. And what will you tell them when they ask you, and what did you do? I hope your answer 
And I said this to the kids. I hope your answer is not, I played Valorant all day. I watched YouTube and made TikTok videos. I was on Discord all the time with our kids. You as parents here, as adults here, if your grandchildren will ask you in 20, 30 years, Harmony Harabaji, Grandma, Grandpa, what did you do during the pandemic? What will your answer be? We shut our doors. We stayed at home. We worshiped on YouTube. I believe now is the time to start coming out of our homes, to shut down the YouTube, to be here in this place, to worship together in community, in person, because corporate worship is necessary. To worship as community is necessary. And then as a community, we need to move beyond our doors into the community to take the gospel message, to take God's word. Because honestly, we've lost too many souls. 1,400 souls on the street of Hastings is 1,400 too many. Our goal while we were there, I told the kids, is not to see how many receive Jesus Christ, but to plant the seeds of God's word into these people's hearts so that at the least, at the least, on their deathbed, if they should overdose, that hopefully because God's word is in their heart, that when they know that they are dying, they will cry out to God. And they will say, Jesus, enter into my heart with their dying breath. We pray that our church will move beyond and that we will now do missions with COVID, worship with COVID, that we will no longer shutter our doors, be afraid to move, but instead I think now is the time. We are called to move out into our communities, to move beyond our homes, come back into corporate worship, and move as a community to take the gospel to the ends of this earth so that we have no more lost souls. My biggest regret is my friend and that pastor and the 1,400 people. I know that God doesn't need me. Need and want are two different things. He doesn't need me, but he wants me. And my pride was severely broken, but I am so glad in how God moved, and I'm so glad in how he taught our students, and all 28 of them were changed forever. And I'm so blessed by our students and their willingness to move through uh, this time and their willingness to see how God moves even through hardship. And I hope if you ever have the chance, we're gonna try and make their testimonies public so that everyone will have access to it. You'll go through their testimonies. It's incredible. And listen to their stories. And thank you for supporting and praying for us during that time. Let's pray. 
Father God, we thank you so much for your word, for being with us, for showing us that you are our God and that you move through incredible ways. We thank you, Lord, that you show us that you don't need us, but that you want us, that you chose us. Father God, we pray that you will help us and forgive us for being lazy, for being prideful, for being fearful. Help us to move beyond ourselves now, to enter back into our community of corporate worship, to shut down our TVs, and to come back into physical space where we worship together as a body of Christ. And then make this body move, Lord, according to your purpose and according to your ways. We pray, Lord, that we will send our missions teams again, that we will send our missionaries out to the ends of this earth so that no soul will be lost and no soul will ever miss the opportunity of hearing the gospel, of hearing about Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that we will do as we are mandated to do, to be disciples and to make disciples. We thank you, Lord, for this incredible opportunity that you gave to our children and to our Vancouver team. We pray for Potter's Place as they are struggling to find workers. We thank you, Lord, for showing us through them that even our smallest, even our youngest, can be mighty vessels of your word. We thank you for your love and for your grace. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.